Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio. We are back with another episode, and I promise you this one is going to be exceptional. We have Bob Chapman of Barry Waymiller. I'll tell you more about him in just a second. But before we get started, just a reminder, if you've got questions, if you've got a story you want to share, you can find me on any of the social channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it, we're there. And just make sure you use the hashtag AskShep, and I'll either answer your questions there, maybe bring them on the show, or I'll talk about them on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, and you can find that on Amazon Prime, uh, Roku, Apple TV, basically anywhere you can stream TV. Hope you uh, enjoy that show. So let's jump right into the interview. Bob Chapman is the CEO of Barry Waymiller. Now, you may not know about that company, but they're a little $2.5 billion or more company. That's actually pretty darn big, 12,000 employees, uh, Bob has actually written a book that came out a couple, three years ago, titled Everybody Matters, The Extraordinary Power of Caring for Your People Like Family. Inc. Magazine recognizes Bob as the number three of the top 10 world's CEOs. He has created a corporate culture uh, in his organization that's really, uh, it's really about family, which is what his book is about. But here's the point. Normally, I don't bring a speaker or an author or an expert or an executive on to talk about leadership. But I believe that your culture, especially a customer-focused culture, starts at the top with leadership, focusing on employees first. And we create that employee-focused uh, organization. Guess what happens? Customers get happy too. So, with no further ado, Bob Chapman, welcome to the show. Good morning. Appreciate the opportunity to share a message with you. And you've got a great message. By the way, you were a wonderful guest on Be Amazing or Go Home. So, if you want to see a video version of this interview, please uh, tune into that. I just want to, a real quick background. I love your story. I love how, um, as I was reading your book, the first. Um, you walked into this company and you noticed that, I, I'm gonna call it the temperature change in the room. It went from a warm, robust room to extremely cold as soon as they found out the new boss was getting ready to make a presentation. Uh, I, that's where it started for me, but you've got a bigger backstory than that. So go ahead and share that. Well, I, th I think uh, for your listeners, I, I think, you know, I, I have a very traditional background, which you know, I want people to understand, you know, I was, a very average student in North St. Louis, uh, Ferguson High School, uh, decided to go to uh, Indiana University and get a degree in accounting. I don't remember why, but you know. <laughs> Did the parents want you to get that? <laughs> no, no, I never talked to my parents about it. My dad was an accountant for Arthur Anderson before that, but my dad and I never talked about it. I just found myself doing it. And so I, my point is I had a very traditional business education, undergraduate in accounting, MBA from Michigan, and and then got uh, you know, an opportunity to go to Price Waterhouse here in St. Louis. So you know, I just want to begin the very tradition, nothing special in the background. Just a very average kid from an average that had, did did decently in, in college and had a good opportunity to, to join Price Waterhouse. So I when I got into business, when I left Price Waterhouse to join Barry Wimler here in St. Louis, it was an eighteen million dollar. A family-owned company that my dad had bought in the 50s 
uh, for thirty thousand dollars. Wow! Uh, and uh, and and I just I had just you know finished a couple of years in public accounting and start repeating your clients. And my dad said, "Would you join the firm? I need somebody I can trust." That was my job. Somebody he could trust. That's a good job. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a tough job in an environment where you can trust anybody. Yep. Anyway, it worked it really well. I worked with my dad six years, but my first half of my career, my first 20 years, were really dedicated to taking what I learned in business school uh, and somewhat at Pricewaterhouse to try and give this company a future, a, you know, a business model that, uh, and, and I had some tremendous initial successes, huge growth, huge uh, kind of publicity in St. Louis about our growth, then some traumatic decline, some financial issues, near bankruptcy. Uh, legendary Lou Sussman helped me on the edge of bankruptcy and never quite declared it, but we're, we're inches away. And then a, a, a dramatic revival uh, when we began in 1984 to follow Chuck Knight, legendary St. Louis. And when I studied Chuck and saw that he grew through acquisition. So, and, and Chuck Knight was Emerson Electric. Uh, right, Emerson Electric Legend, company. Legendary St. Louis CEO. And so I, I studied Chuck and, and so I began doing acquisitions. My only problem, I began with no money. Uh, and what do you buy when you have no money? You buy things nobody else wants. And so, but I did, and, and with my passion, because I was trying to survive, we started cobbling together these businesses. And in 1987, we're able to spin off those acquisitions on the London Stock Exchange, which was, uh, you know, again, cobbled together businesses nobody wanted, got it up to 35 million. Basically double the revenue from when you start, 18 million to 35 million. And so we sold this, we sold the acquisitions, which left us with 20 million of our historic business, the old Barry Waymiller uh, in our company. So I had a chance to begin again in 1988 after the public offering and said, what did I learn? Dramatic growth, traumatic decline, phenomenal recovery, hugely successful public offering. Actually, Harvard wrote a case study uh, in the early 1990s on the public offering because it was such a spectacular uh, a real monetization of what we've created. But again, all traditional business, and that's what I want you, you know, cutting costs, consolidated businesses, mm -hmm. positions, et cetera. Very traditional business. Very operational. Right, right. And so in the 1990s, I had a chance, now again, with the Barry Waymiller that my dad had again, so I'm now back down to the core business of making brewery equipment. And I had a chance to do it again. And I said, this time, I'm gonna do it better. And again, I began with a business model, which I, I want you to listen. I designed a business model from the robustness of my experience for the previous 20 years that had a lot of pain, a lot of learning, a lot of growth. So one of the things that's very important in any business is that you have a robust, sustainable business model so that the people you invite into the organization can be safe and have a future. So we began doing that. But in the process, I started having these revelations you know, in, in the late 1990s about what was my purpose, you know, and, and first revelation was clearly, why can't business be fun? Why do we call it work? The second was, you know, our church down at Y Down and uh, Skinker Boulevard, St. Michael, St. George, I go to church and it was very important to me, but I realized our church has only got us for one hour a week and we have people for 40 hours a week. We're 40 times more powerful than the church help people live lives of any purpose. So I said to myself, so the second revelation is, business could be a powerful force for good. 
if it simply cared about the people it had the privilege of leading. Bang. And, and, that, and then the one that is most known is my being at a wedding of a couple of St. Louis uh, couples, their daughter and son were getting married in Aspen. I sit at the wedding and I saw this, I experienced all of this experience at these wonderful events. This precious young lady being walked down the aisle by her very proud father and everybody looking how precious she looked, how proud he was. And, when, and, and I realized when he got to the altar and he gave the hand of his daughter to this young man and said, her mother and I give our, our daughter to be wed to this young man. And I realized having walked my two precious daughters down the aisle, that's not what he intended to say. It's what he was told to say. <laughs> okay. Uh, I give, I is, give the hand of my daughter to this man. Yeah. That's not what he wanted. To no, no, it's what he was told to say. <laughs> okay. What he wanted to say was, look at young man. Her mother and I brought this precious young lady into this world. We've given her all the love and care we could possibly give her so she could be who she's intended to be. And we expect you, young man, to allow her to continue to be who she's intended to be as she will with you as you join together in marriage. Do you understand that, young man? That's what every father wants to say when he stands up there and gives his precious young daughter away to a young man. And so all of a sudden my mind goes to Second point, oh my God, all 12,000 people that work for us around the world are somebody's precious child, just like that young lady and that young man who are in our care. And we are gonna have a dramatic impact on their life and their ability to be who they're intended to be. And, 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 I, and I said to myself, the people that work for me are not functions. They're not engineers, accountants, scientists, marketing people. They are somebody's precious child has been put in our care. So that profoundly changed my view of my stewardship of the people in our care. And so this evolved and I feel, I felt, I continue to feel I was blessed with this model of the way we could live and work together where people felt valued and return home each night to their family, having been valued, been a part of a community of people that value each other. And they would model that behavior with their spouse, with their family, their community, with their kids. And we'd start seeing kids grow up in families that model the kind of behavior that we hope kids would have as they move out into adulthood. So this transformation was, from an accountant to caring, is a huge journey, okay? I would say so. And, and it's a not only that, just a major personality shift because you don't expect... Uh, somebody in accounting is very numbers focused. It's very black and white. It's looking at, you know, that's a lot of how the business is run by, and I will admit business is numbers, but what drives those numbers are the people. And, and I think it's a great setup. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I want you to talk about that moment when you walked into that business that you bought the first time they saw you and how the mood shifted. As I mentioned, the temperature went down and how you warmed that room up. We're going to be right back. We're talking with Bob Chapman of Barry Waymiller about the culture and leadership of a business. Don't go away. Cult is not a scary word. My book, The Cult of the Customer, proves it. It helps you design a strategy to lead customers and employees through five cultural phases or cults. And good news, I have a revised and updated version of the book. The new edition, The Cult of the Customer, will come out on March 17th, 2020. It features case studies, tips, and tactics to guide you on the journey from uncertainty to amazement and build a better customer-focused culture, a cult 
of the customer. Pre-order the book before March 17th to receive the ebook for free right away along with another special gift. So what are you waiting for? Go to www.cultofthecustomer.com today to order. Join the cult that turns satisfied customers into customer evangelists, the cult of the customer. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. Talk with Bob Chapman, the author of Everybody Matters, the extraordinary power of caring for your people like family and the CEO of Barry Waymiller. So there is this great story about how you walked into a company, and I'll let you tell it. I've already kind of set it up already, but go ahead and share that if you don't mind. Well, our background uh, is buying manufacturing companies, and quite often these companies that I focused on were challenge companies for technology, financial, leadership, various challenges. And, and I tended to focus on more challenge businesses uh, because that's what I felt I was good with. You know, I, I didn't feel I was as good at fixing a good business as I was fixing a business that yeah. I mean, that's what you did. You bought the companies that people didn't want. Exactly right. right. I, and I was able to see value where other people didn't. So anyway, so when I walk in these companies, the first reaction people have is I'm going to shut it down, move production. You know, they're not making money out of, and we're going to shut it down, move it to China, move it to Mexico and, and no hope. And, you know, we walk into these companies and, and I say to people, welcome to the family. We're going to build a future together. And, and all I need to do is, is for you to, to believe me and come along in this journey so that we can create a future for everybody. And when I do that, and I, and, and, and I ask people to ask me questions uh, because I want them to believe that we care. And people, when, when I give this message to these companies, people cry because they said, I never thought I was going to get to work for a company that cares about me. Okay. And, that, and, and that's the issue we face in this country is because we care about numbers. People are simply a means to numbers and we might even be nice to them, you know, until we don't need them anymore. So I mean, so when, when I walk into these companies and tell them there's hope, they, it's hard for them to believe it, okay? But I believe a leader's responsibility is to genuinely show the people in your span of care that they have a grounded sense of hope for a better future. They're safe within your care. That is our fundamental responsibility as leaders is to give people that sense of that circle of safety. Simon Sinek calls the circle of safety. I feel safe mm. and I return home with that feeling. Now there is two sides to this. They have to do their part too. I mean, they have to be a part of the family and, you know, take care of their family responsibilities, if you will. Yes. I mean, there's always two parts to the equation. Okay. Mm -hmm. But all, all we know is that most people in this country, 88%, feel they work for a company that does not care about them, okay? So, and statistically, according to Gallup, three out of four people in this country are disengaged in what they are doing, okay? So when we want them to do their part, we can't expect that without this kind of in value exchange, which is I'm going to care for you and give you a future, yep. and create an environment. So it's again, we, we talk about the lack of productivity in American worker, or you know, et cetera. 
And, and my, my concern is not, I believe people want to share their values. I, people want to work. They don't feel valued, okay? They feel used. So if you don't create the right environment, people are not gonna share fully their gifts with you. Mm. So part yep. of, you can't just expect people to give you their best, you know, and you can't demand it. You gotta create an environment where they want to give you their best, okay? You don't, ex you don't expect it from, they want to give it to you in, ex in a kind, like kind exchange for you giving them a sense of the future, of feeling valued. So that's the exchange right there. It's, again, I believe, you know, when people are worried about, you know, the American worker, the millennials, they're just not engaged. No kidding, you know, because they're just being used. You know, I, I define the word management, which we use all the time in business, as the manipulation of others for your success. Hmm. Interesting. And what, so that's the, that doesn't sound like a very pretty definition of management. No, that's what managers do. They right. use people for their success and their promotion, okay? Leaders look at the people they have the privilege of leading and define their success as the development and growth of those people in line with the objectives of that organization to realize the potential. Yep. It's just a complete shift. It's, again, in the military, we honor people who give themselves in service of others. And in business, we give bonuses to people who sacrifice people in service of themselves. Hmm. Why can't we in business? like in the military, train our leaders, their primary responsibility is the men and women in their care. And if we don't have a good business model that creates value, we cannot be good stewards of the people that we have the privilege of leading. You know, and, and I wanna shift gears here because as you focus on the people, there's a huge byproduct. You said, according to Gallup, three quarters of the workers out there are disengaged. Right. So how do we shift them to being engaged is to uh, treat them the way we're talking about uh, for the last few minutes, you know, uh, with dignity, with respect, with family, with, as family, with care, uh, making them feel safe, making them feel appreciated, and on and on. And the byproduct of that is, yeah, they work hard, and now they're engaged, but guess who gets to benefit from all of this? Not just the company, not just the employees, but the outside customer. Right, you know, I think um, I think uh, Rosh Hashanah did a book, uh, Firms of Endearment, and they statistically showed that companies that are loved by their customers and loved by their people do forty percent better in the market value than publicly traded companies. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, there is no doubt that people who feel cared for care for their customers. Okay, I'm going to give you because again, of the nature of your audience. I'm sure you know this, but you know, Cynthia and I were at the Ritz Carlton Hotel in Naples, and a lady was waiting on us uh, for breakfast, and she was giving us exceptional service for breakfast. And I finally said to her, "Ma'am, what do they do to you to cause you to treat me like this?" And she said, she pulled out a card without even asking me, and it said, "Ladies and gentlemen, yep. serving ladies and gentlemen." Yep. I said, what does that mean? She said, "They care about me, and I care about you." Yeah, and that's, that's uh, the Ritz-Carlton credo is amazing. So the Ritz-Carlton, people think that's a hotel chain. It is a hotel chain, but actually it's a management company that goes into properties that are hired. Uh, they're hired. They put the name Ritz-Carlton on the, the building and they become a Ritz-Carlton. So there was, I believe it was over, uh, I want to say it might have been in, in China. They, they, uh, were brought in to manage a building. 
and they said, okay, we got to do a multi-million dollar renovation on this hotel. The very first part of the renovation was the employee entrance because they wanted those employees to know, look, she, you, this is where it starts and you're walking in here. We want you to feel great about it. So that's where they started. Yeah, again, that, that profoundly affected me in my attitude because I thought, you know, we created the same thing in hospitals, you know, because doctors and nurses don't feel valued. And we created an expression, loved ones caring for loved ones. Yep. You know, I love doctors it. and nurses are somebody's mother and father, just like everybody else. And they, they want to be cared for. And if they feel cared for, they're going to care for your, you, your family members, others in the hospital. Great. Let's take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about what's in the book and how creating that culture can drive a better experience, not just for outside customers, but for employees as well, which is what it's all about. All right. We'll take a short break. We're coming right back. Don't go away. Are you ready to be amazing? Of course you are. And that's why you tune into Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing here, you're going to love my new TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. Each episode is devoted to sharing ideas to help you be amazing in both your business and personal lives. We also feature an app or technology every week that you're going to find fascinating. And we always have at least two guests on the show. The show is now available on Amazon Prime, Roku, C-Suite TV, and more. So the choice is yours. Be amazing or go home. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We are back talking with Bob Chapman, the CEO of Barry Waymiller and the author of Everybody Matters. And wow, I mean, obviously the focus on employees is so important. Uh, you share with me at the break that there's a customer service story that you'd like to tell us, and I'd love for you to do that. Well, it's interesting because, again, my first revelation was when I realized that why can't business be fun? And why do we call it work? And that came from, because I bought this company in South Carolina uh, in 1997 during March. Flew down there to be there the first day. Walked into the office, was having a cup of coffee. And I noticed people in the lunchroom. They didn't know me, I didn't know them. I just bought the company. And uh, they were all talking about college basketball. Which team won, you know, what the score was, what the amount of money they had in the pool. And the closer they got to eight o'clock, you could just see the fun go out of their body. And I, in hindsight, I said to myself, why can't business be fun? Why can't we talk about business? So I walked down to have a meeting with customer service. We sell spare parts for machinery. Uh, and it's, uh, it was 21 million of the 50 million in sales and it was an important part of the business. So I was gonna meet with them. I didn't have any agenda. I just was gonna meet with them because it's an important part. And I walk in and, and obviously stimulated by watching people play March Madness with no background, no experience, no thought. I just out of, I said to this group of 10 people, we're going to play a game. They said, what do you mean? I said, well, whoever sells the most spare parts wins each week, $100. And if the team makes a team goal, the team wins $100. My total stimulus, I'd never done before, never thought of it, just came from watching people play March Madness. And... They said, well, that won't work. And I, they had 21 reasons why that wouldn't work to do that. And I said, you know what? We're going to do it. And I had 21 answers why it would. Never done it. Never thought about it. No experience. So I go back. Revenue went up 20%. Joy went up 1,000%. And I went back 13 weeks later, a quarter later, and I said, what happened? I don't understand. I just wanted you to have fun. 
<laughs> one of the fun and 20% increase in revenue is a result of having fun. Right. Okay. So, I mean, again, and, and I said, because most people would have brought in trainers to train the customer service people to deal more effectively with the customer. I did zero. This was an eclectic group of people that would know back and just, they'd answer the phone. People would call in and they'd do customer service. So, uh, the, the one person said to me, Mr. Chapman, she said, I always thought I was nice to the customer, but now that I want to win, I'm really nice to them. Okay. <laughs> hey, Another you're going to put me out of business if, <laughs> if you can replace no, no, just mean, having fun with the customer service training. <laughs> I'm telling you, it, it's, it, we now do it all over the world in every country. But anyway, so that next person said, well, you know, Mr. Chapman, when the phone would ring in our department, you didn't really want to pick up the phone because that's work. So if you're working on a quote for somebody or you're doing something, you kind of let, hoping somebody else is going to pick up the phone because you got to do research on the part number, you got to enter in the system. Now we're down talking to the switchboard operator and says, who gets the calls? I want the calls. And I thought- They're oh, fighting over the calls. They're fighting <laughs> over the calls because they want to win. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the key was there was, what came out of me was an individual component the person that wins gets $100, but there was a team component. So if Mary did well or Bill did well, the team did well. So you kind of wanted them to do well, and they got recognized for doing well. So they wanted to. Another lady said to me, I bet you think when we get a big order that you thought it was good. I said, of course, big orders are good. She said, no, no. Do you know how much research we got to do in finding the part numbers, finding the drawings, going to engineering? We, we didn't like big orders. Now we love big orders, Mr. Chapman, because that means we're going to win. And so, and, and what happened, the other things that was amazing, I said, do you talk to your family about this? Oh, yes, we, we go home and talk every day. How are you doing? And I said, well, Mary, how's it affected you? And she said, well, I live with my 80-year-old mother, and she's usually not up when I go to work, so I come home at lunch to see how she's doing. She said, I went home last Thursday and said, hey, Mom, how are you doing? She said, Mary, how's your numbers this week? <laughs> 80-year-old mother. And because Mary obviously was motivated. So what, the thing I want you to realize, because of this eclectic, the way that it happened, everybody knows how they're doing every minute of every day, and they know how the team is. Wow. And it, it, they came together. They text each other. How do we do tonight? What do we need to do tomorrow? So it created this game stimulated by March Madness. And when people played a game that they had fun, and we recognize it's on, oh, look at what Mary did last week, and Jill did that. And, and so we created these games. It has now become a driver throughout our corporation around the world uh, uh, to create customer experiences because it never occurred to me that I just wanted the people to have fun, kind of like March Madness. But when they had fun, the way they treated the customer, the response to getting back, because we want the order from the customer so we get back to them quickly, we're nice to them. So, I mean, you can't train that, okay? You just can't train people to pick up a phone, okay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a certain level of, you have to give technical training so they understand the product. Oh, right, you can right, give right. them some basics on customer service. Like, that this doesn't is mean a, they're gonna answer the phone. Yeah, they're gonna answer the phone. They're give them some answer. technique, but if you yeah. wanna take it to the next level, uh, I get it. Have, so, have, so yeah, have, have fun. This okay, is awesome. Now. Years ago, uh, I worked with a company and they had a big promotion in the fourth quarter of uh, the year. And they said, we're going to call it the Super Bowl promotion. But hey, Super Bowl isn't until the end of January. That's right. But if we hit our numbers, everybody in the department, everybody, 
assistants, top salespeople, executives, leaders, whomever, they all get a, and this, by the way, was when big screen TVs were really expensive. We're yeah. going to give you a big screen TV. It's delivered to your home. Yours to keep. You watch the game, you know, and, and by the way, we'll also give you the taxes to cover the extra. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you already have a big screen TV, let us know. We'll do something else. But everybody loved the Super Bowl promotion, and they worked so hard because it was it was fun. All right, we're almost out of time. I want to emphasize, if you love what we're talking about, and how could you not, please go to Amazon.com, pick up the book, Everybody Matters, The Extraordinary Power of Caring for People Like Family by Bob Chapman and Raj Sizodia. Did I say that right? Yes. Yes, and he's written, by the way, or co-authored a number of books as well, a great author uh, in business. But before we leave, uh, I want you to share with us one final nugget of information, like uh, what's the one thing you absolutely want this audience to remember? You can reflect on what we've already talked about or give us something new. Yeah, I, I think the way I now end my speeches around the country is with the following statement, which never occurred to me in my education, my experience. The way we lead our organizations impacts the way the people of our organization lead their lives at home. It, you know, remember the Mayo Clinic told us that the way you are treated at work is more important to your health than your family doctor. The second thing I want your leaders to know in, when I ter in terms of this statement is when we say the way they live, when we teach people to be leaders in our company and we create a caring culture, they don't tell us they ran a better accounting department, a better customer service department. They tell us it affects the relationship with their spouse and their children. And so we have realized that business could be the most powerful force for good in the world if we simply cared about the people we have the privilege of leading. Wow. Wow. Those, that's amazing. Um, I'm almost choked up over this. It's 100% true. You can't argue with this. And uh, Bob Chapman, you are a, an amazing person. This is why we had you on Amazing Business Radio. I truly feel, and, and when we did our TV show together, uh, I did my introduction, and I actually had to ask the director of the show to stop and let's retake it, because I felt that I was sitting in basically leadership royalty, if you will, <laughs> and uh, somebody that I've admired for many, many years. I, know, uh, I don't know if we've had many guests on the show from St. Louis, where I live, you're from not only St. Louis, uh, you're living, I know, a lot of time in Colorado now, but your office where we're talking to you today is literally three blocks away from me. I feel like, you know, we're connected. I've been watching this company since I was young. Uh, I remember calling on your company in 1983 or 84 when I was first starting my business. So such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to share this message because, you know, we can be, you know, remember, we have a, one of the lowest unemployment levels in the world, in the history of our country, and yet we have one of the highest levels of frustration because people don't feel valued, and your listeners could change it tomorrow. Right. Well, thanks for being with us, and everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll have another great interview next week. So until then, this is Chef Hike and reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.